Welcome back to the Sons of Saturday podcast. It is Sunday, August 15th. We are getting closer, my friends. 19 days till kickoff. My name is Pat Finn. I'm, I'm calling in here from Charlotte, North Carolina. We got Grayson Wimbish out in Los Angeles. We got Billy Ray Mitchell. Uh, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Time out. Not in Los Angeles. <laughs> East Coast Gray. Arlington? Arlington? Oh, currently and actually in Reston, Virginia, staying with uh, Cole and Emma. Reston. Yeah, Reston. I used to work in Reston. Shout out to Rest Vegas. We got Grayson out in Rest Vegas. We got Mike McDaniel joining the podcast today. Mike, where are you calling in from, my friend? Fredericksburg, Virginia. Fredericks, Vegas. Nash, not N- Nags. What, what is this? Rest Vegas, Fredericks, Vegas. <laughs> And San Diego, Vegas. San Diego, Vegas. Billy Ray's in San Diego. But uh, welcome. We got a big-time season preview today. We brought on Mike because we know Mike will have some uh, some good insights as well. And we're really excited to get started here. I uh, got a long pod for you, but an insightful, fun cast of the pod variety. We're going to kick it over to Bill here. Bill, who is Sons of Saturday presented by? Sons of Saturday. Look, we had a great podcast for you. But first... But first, we have to talk about Main Street Pharmacy, which is located right on Main Street in Blacksburg. We talk about how much Jeremy loves the athletic departments, how much Jeremy loves Virginia Tech, how much Jeremy loves supporting the Blacksburg community. He has also jumped into supporting our athletes through this NIL situation. We saw Trey Turner the other day. He's asking folks to go get vaccinated. If you need a vaccination, you can head on down to Main Street Pharmacy. Jeremy Counts is contributing both to the school, the players, and the community. That's the trifecta right there. So Jeremy Counts loves the environment. He loves the place. He loves the school. And go on down and go support his business. And thank you, Jeremy, for helping us bring this podcast to you all listening right now. Jeremy Counts at Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Main Street, Blacksburg, Virginia. Where you are not a number, you are a neighbor. And the Main Street Pharmacy brings us hokey haikus as well. So here's our hokey haiku today. Thank you. Uh, I, I actually just wrote this, but um, we'll, we'll be collecting some, some more haikus throughout the season. Today is John Laser's birthday. So we have a haiku for John Laser. Happy birthday, Lays. Nothing but clean birthday cake. <laughs> Chef Lays celebrates. <laughs> Grayson was making making some funnies earlier before we pressed record. <laughs> hey man, I, I appreciate I appreciate the credit, but I I popped on a Facebook earlier today and I saw that it was Laser's birthday, so I had to shout him out. Coming up with a few funny puns there, uh, nothing but delicious chocolate cake in front of him. <laughs> Lays uh, inhales the chocolate cake with vanilla icing. <laughs> That's that's way better, Pat. You do his voice really, really well. Got to have no you know, the little the little growl, the lazy yeah. growl. Not a, not everybody can do that. Um, I guess what we're gonna do, y'all, as as Bill says and likes to say, we're gonna set the table for you uh, prior to getting into this kind of marathon podcast here. Uh, so let's do exactly that. 2016. It's year one. Head coach Justin Fuente and staff's first year in Blacksburg after Virginia Tech legend Frank Beamer's retirement. Gerard Evans under center, stout defense, nine regular season wins, and a trip to the ACC championship game for the first time 
since December of 2011. The Hokies are in a belt bowl victory in dramatic fashion against the Arkansas Razorbacks. It was insane. I was there. It was a wild time. Very good time to be a Hokie. The future looked very, very bright in Blacksburg. Last year, 2020, it's year five. COVID-19 sweeping the nation and changes the college football game as we know and love it. Khalil Herbert bursts onto the scene as one of Virginia Tech's most exciting running backs in recent years. Things start off hot in September with big wins over NC State and Duke. But come December, the Hokies sat with a record of five and six with embarrassing losses to Liberty and Wake Forest. 27-year-old bull streak comes to an end. Fan base has never been more divided, even after getting the Commonwealth Cup back. So, where does that leave us? It's 2021. It's year six. On paper, things should go back to normal in terms of stadium capacity and things of that nature. No last-minute schedule changes, we hope. No more quiet center street. Lane Stadium on September 3rd will be full of 65,000 rabid hokey faithful waiting to jump to enter Sandman. It's make or break, y'all. And everyone who sports that logo and that Chicago maroon and burnt orange knows it. If you don't, you're lying to yourself. This season is paramount for a myriad of reasons. There are no more second chances. In the famous words of the Raiders, longtime Raiders owner Al Davis, just win, baby. Just win, and the rest will take care of itself. The Suns will be watching. Hokie Nation will be watching. Let's go Hokies, y'all. We're stoked. That was pretty good, Grayson. I felt like I was watching the beginning of uh, some feature some feature film. Very well done. Real good. Very yes, well man. done. Um, so, setting the table, what's everybody saying? Mike McDaniel, I know you are always keeping an eye on the lines. We have the, line, we have the Vegas lines here and just – some of what everybody's saying. So, Mike, take us away with what everybody's saying so far. Yeah, all over the map as far as win totals for Tech. I've seen seven. I've seen seven and a half. I've seen eight. Should we call it seven and a half? What do you guys think? Let's go with seven and a half. Let's go with seven and a half. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but Tech is third best in the Coastal following North Carolina and Miami. Again, North Carolina around eight, eight and a half. Miami, eight and a half, nine. Even though North Carolina has been set as the preseason media favorite. So that's something to keep an eye on. Text ACC odds anywhere from 30 to 35 to one. National championship odds long, boys, 150 to one. So that's kind of where we're at. Okay, I saw that. I'm looking at the ACC winner odds right now in Vegas Insider. Clemson obviously is the favorite. Carolina is number two. Miami's number three. And then NC State is coming in at number four right before Tech. And then after Tech, it's Louisville and, and Florida State. But what's with the NC State hype? That was just a, a very confusing thing that I saw here. I mean, Devin Leary coming back, that's a big deal, a quarterback. When he's been healthy, he's been really good. They have Bam Knight in the backfield, one of the best running backs or maybe the best running back in the ACC coming back. A lot of returning talent on defense. It's all about returning production for them, uh, for NC State, on both sides of the ball. And I think that's why at least Vegas is a bit higher on them than most. But I don't know. I like Boston College a little bit more than NC State, but I can see why NC State's getting a little bit of hype in the Atlantic. It's a race for number two, obviously. Everybody's running, trying to catch Clemson. But it's going to be an interesting race to see who the second best team in the Atlantic is for sure. Yep. This is not an NC State podcast. Is Dave has Dave Doran? Where is he on? I know he was on the hot seat last year. Is he off the hot seat, or is he is he, has he re-upped his membership on the hot seat this year? I think he's off the hot seat because they, you know, just 
you know, pick things up last year and win eight or nine games, whatever it was, and really surprised everybody. I think a lot of people expected NC State to bottom out. And going into last year, if you were looking at like the hot seat articles everybody was writing, the one that everyone kept coming back to was, and at least in the ACC, was NC State. Now, you know, Fuente was on some of them too, I'm sure. But Dave Doran was the guy that a lot of people thought could potentially get fired, but then he steps up and has a really nice season there at NC State. So I think he's off of it for now, but I don't know. They're, they're in a weird spot. I mean, I think they're consistently a seven or an eight win program and they got to decide if Doran's a guy to kind of take them past that consistently. Yep. Also on this Vegas insider, while we're, uh, while we're talking about this predicts Virginia tech to go five and seven, miss a bowl, uh, which I think is come on, very come interesting. On. So, I mean, that's, that's what Vegas insider is saying. Stuart Mandel, another guy to keep an eye on as far as his predictions go. This was pointed out by Pete BVT on Twitter earlier this week. Stuart Mandel predicted Virginia Tech to go four and six last year, and he received the utmost slander from the Hokie faithful, uh, you know, publicly on Twitter. Lo and behold, Virginia Tech finished five and six. Stuart Mandel was probably having the last laugh, but what was pointed out by Pete was that Stewart's last three years of predictions for Virginia Tech's final record, he has been within one win or loss every time. And uh, if you look at his last three years, he predicted us to go like a sum, a total of uh, 14 and 12 from those three years. And the last three years, our record is 14 and 12. So uh, Stuart Mandel might know something. He might know, uh, he might have those crystal ball insights. So pay attention uh, when he puts out his, uh, his previous stuff. He was getting killed last year for the prediction of four and six in ACC play. He was getting absolutely killed. And sure enough, that goes five and six. I think uh, for, for my sanity and everyone else's sanity, good Lord, I hope he's wrong. (laughs) I mean, Dude, we're not I mean, going to go five and six. I'm sorry. I don't mean like, – I, I'm already drinking the Kool-Aid, but if I had not had a sip of Kool-Aid, um, we, we're not we're, – I still wouldn't believe that. Yeah. We're we'll six. get into this later, I'm sure, but I feel like there's a – things would have to go very wrong, I feel like, mm-hmm. for this thing to bottom out the way that some national media folks think it could. So. This is true. Sure. So here's the next segment. Here we go. So we're going to run through the offense and the defense – we have some structure here, but you could be interrupted. If I have questions or somebody has questions, feel free to jump in. But we're going to break down the offense first. Grayson, start us off with the offense. Sure. I mean, we had him on a couple of weeks ago. QB1, we know. Braxton Burmeister, the kid from La Jolla. Shout out Billy Ray. Uh, backing him up, we don't know. Maybe Knox Kadem, Taj Bullock. That's kind of one of our unanswered questions. Who's going to be QB2? The Blum Dog, the the the, the Blum, yeah, Blum, 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 Rick. Blum Blum Dog Millionaire, new yeah. nicknames. I don't think this can be understated, Mike. So I'm gonna I'm gonna see. Uh, you, you're the writer. You're very you're very good with words. Can you help put into into words how paramount the health of Braxton Braumeister is to this 2021 campaign? It's literally the single most important aspect of the Virginia Tech football program, I would argue, in the last like two decades because of the unproven depth behind him. And maybe that sounds bold, but there ain't much behind Burmeister. I mean, Blumrick wasn't even playing quarterback at AM. He was playing like tight end. I know he came in as a quarterback, but he was never, you know, going to get in there and play um, with their quarterback situation there with Kellen Mond. Um, 
he comes over, decides he wants to play quarterback. Fuente and the staff take him. And now he is in this weird backup quarterback battle with Knox Kadem, who came in and played pretty well against Clemson. But you guys will remember a couple of years back, it literally took Kadem decommitting from James Madison, flipping his commitment to Virginia Tech because he was committed to an FCS school. And then basically our only power five quarterback that we have actively recruited is Taj Bullock. And he's a true freshman. We don't want to play him. So it's a, it's a mess if Burmeister gets hurt or, you know, from another standpoint, what if he just doesn't play well, right? What if Burmeister is more like early 2020 Braxton Burmeister versus late in the season Braxton Burmeister when he was really good against Clemson and UVA? Um, if we get early season Braxton Burmeister, this thing could bottom out quick because it's, all right, who are we going to throw in there next? And if it is Knox Kadem, because it seems to be at least with press availability, you know, Fuente has kind of tipped his hand a little bit saying Knox is the leader in the, in the backup quarterback battle. How comfortable is a Virginia tech fan base with Knox Kadem coming in, essentially being a guy committed to an FCS program with no true starting experience, being the starting quarterback if Burmeister goes down. And I, I don't feel particularly good about that. So it means everything to the entire season that not only is Burmeister healthy, but that he's as good as we think he could be. Braxton is the thread. Braxton is the thread that holds the chandelier up. This pretty little <laughs> chandelier. He's the chain. And if that chain or thread is cut, then it all falls down and crashes and breaks on the floor. That's that's it. That's that's the reality of the matter. Uh, anyway, moving on. Wait, 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 wait. That's good. That was great. That was fantastic. Well, thank you. I, uh, but it's the, it's the truth. If it you is. think about it, it's the truth. That might be my favorite Grace's soundbite that has ever yeah. come across this film part. writer guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. James um, Cameron joining us today. That's right. <laughs> two, two things. Two things. One, Braxton Burmeister ran the ball a lot last year when he was in. Um, obviously, running the quarterback makes the quarterback susceptible to injury. We saw it you know, with Hendon Hooker previously how can we make sure we maximize the ball uh being carried by running backs or wide receivers and not Braxton Burmeister one and then a quick point about uh about Connor Blumrick do we see this guy kind of like as like a Taysom Hill type quarterback for Virginia Tech like is he going to be throwing the ball at all or is he going to be like the bell cow of getting quarterback carries if he comes in on packages so Fuente said in the press availability that he's got a certain set of skills that they want to try to utilize. It's like, okay. Like okay, does, particular does set that of mean skills. he's yeah. So he's basically the Quincy Patterson goal line quarterback. Is that what that means? That's that's gotta be it, because this guy hasn't been playing quarterback, but he's athletic enough back there to make things happen. And then to answer your first question, specific to Burmeister. The easy way to avoid him running a lot is to give it to one of the 17,000 running backs on the roster. Like, literally give it to any of them. This is a perfect, perfect transition here. So, on the subject, before we even get in, this is kind of like a hybrid quarterback running back point. These last few years, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, under Coach Fuente, we've never really had a back who's A – who are, who are either large enough or the type of back where it's like, look, it's third and three, we're running power, and it's us versus you guys. We've never had that guy. We had Steven Peoples. He's a little undersized. 
He had Sam Rogers. He's undersized. But this year, you look at the, the running back room, I feel like we have two guys who I feel pretty confident in if it's third and three or it's third and two or it's fourth and one. We don't have to bring in a six. Well, he's not here anymore, but we don't have, we don't have to bring in somebody else to, to make this happen. I truthfully believe Marco Lee is going to be that third down and short guy for us. And Jalen Holston showed the ability to do so as well. They're both big backs. They're bruising backs. Um, what are your thoughts there on just uh, – to me, this is the first year that we can finally run up and, line, and run power and we got somebody who can, who can handle it. I mean, Marco Lee, I think, is definitely going to get carries. I mean, they've been putting him out in front of the media a lot, which, I mean, he's going to have a role. That's usually a pretty good indicator um, that they are going to want to give him the ball a little bit is if they're putting him out there a bunch and if the coaching staff's talking about him a bunch, there's a good chance he's going to play. They're also hyping up Keyshawn King a good bit, which obviously isn't a big bruising back. It's very different running back. But I think King is going to have a much bigger role this year than he did last year when he came in underweight. So I think his his fitness, I think, is in a better spot here, similar to how it was in 2019. So I think King is definitely going to have that change of pace running back role. Blackshear, I think, would be more of a slot guy. But as far as you know, the big bruising running backs who are going to carry the ball 10, 15 times a game or you know, in short yardage situations, the bell cow back, so to speak, you, know, you want to give it to a guy like Jalen Holston or you want to give it to a guy like Marco Lee who can withstand that punishment because if we're going to keep Braxton Burmeister on the field, we're going to have to have running backs to carry the load and have volume carries. And I think Holston and Lee are definitely capable of that. King and Blackshear, the change of pace guys. And then, you know, you look at Blackshear, his ability to play in the slot as well. I mean, he's definitely going to have a role at other areas other than just running back. Marco Lee, six foot, 200 and basically 30 pounds. And then Jalen Holston, five foot 11, 215 pounds. Pat Finn, how are we feeling about uh, it? It was a joke at first, but I actually th- I, I think this is supposed to be a breakout year for Jalen Holston. Um, what are your thoughts on the running back room? Um, and who do you think, I guess we can all say after that in order, the top three backs that will get the carries for each, like who will be number one in carries, number two and number three, but Pat, what are your thoughts on running back room? And then go ahead and give us your top three. Yeah. I, you guys know this, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, last fall, I was the biggest Holston guy. I still am still love Holston. I think, um, it's, I mean, it's a deep room. It's a talented room. I won't say that we have, you know, a proven room, but um, there will be guys who are getting carries that we're going that are going to have to emerge and that we're going to trust. I think it is going to be Holston number one, Keyshawn King number two, Raheem Blackshear number three. Uh, you know what? Actually, I like Marco Lee in that number three spot because I think. Blackshear is just not going to get that many carries out of the backfield just because we're going to try to utilize him elsewhere. But um, Marco Lee is going to be that guy in those goal line situations and those third and ones that we're really going to rely on. Yeah, I think you're onto something, Pat. Mike, we were talking about this on the phone when you were at Media Day. Um, that Coach Cornelson was talking about how he put too much on Raheem Blackshear's plate last year. I don't really believe that that means they're not going to put a lot on his plate this year because there's a lot more time for him to pick it up. He's had the spring, he's had the fall. Um, So while I think Raheem Blackshear will be very involved in the offense and be putting up big numbers, I believe the way that it will shake out will be Jalen Holston, number one, and then I'd go Raheem Blackshear, number two, and Keyshawn King, number three. 
Um, I do think Raheem Blackshear will see the ball the most, but I think Jalen Holston will be handed the ball the most out of that group. Grayson, give me, give us your top three. Well, I think if you look back at the Miami game last year, I mean, you saw how well Jalen Holston ran the football. He, he's kind of able to do both. He's he's quick, but he's also a power runner. I mean, he's great on those short, like third and two, third and maybe four situ- situations and uh, scenarios. Uh, so I think he's got to be number one. He's also he's the oldest running back in the room. He's been on the team the longest, got the most experience. Uh, Keyshawn King, having him back, I think, is number two. Uh, he's going to be the speed guy. He really proved himself in the 2019 season, had that great game against Georgia Tech uh, and a few of those uh, smaller FCS schools. I think he had a great game against Furman. We actually talked about that last week on Don B. Fridays. Um, and then – Raheem Blackshear, I think, makes the most sense at number three. I just don't know much about Marco Lee. I really haven't seen any of his tape. But like uh, Mike said, you know, if they're putting him out in front of the media, then there's a pretty good chance that we're going to see glimmers of him for sure. So uh, I'm going I'm going Holston King and, and Blackshear. Mike, thoughts on Keyshawn King and your top three? Keyshawn King's interesting because, I mean, what he showed in 2019 was – elusiveness that Virginia Tech really didn't have out of the backfield in quite some time, really since like, if you're thinking like way back, we're thinking like Trayvon McMillan (laughs) in his ability to be a bit more shifty in your line of scrimmage. I mean, Tech really didn't have that going into 2019 and he kind of emerges that guy. And then obviously Herbert last year stole the show, you know, one of the best running backs Tech's had in a really long time. Um, But I, I think King has an opportunity to kind of be the, third down, change of pace back to either Holston or Marco Lee. I mean, I think if I'm, you know, putting this down in a pecking order, I I think Holston is the guy who makes the most sense as the top back. I think I would put Blackshear too, but it's almost like two and two A with Keyshawn King, because I do think Blackshear is going to get a lot of looks in the slot. I think Blackshear is going to be on the field, probably the most out of any of these running backs, whether it be in the backfield or, or split out as a additional slot receiver. Um, but I, I think it's definitely Holston, Raheem Blackshear, then Keyshawn King is the guy who I would put as like my my 2A, 2B guy. And then after that, I think it's Marco Lee, short yardage, goal line. You know, if Holston needs a breather and, you know, it's first and 10, maybe we're sticking Marco Lee back there. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. Blackshear's put on 15 pounds. Um, he's sitting there around 200 which is good. He needed to do that. And then in addition to that, he's not battling a hamstring injury like he was a good bit of the first part of the season last year, which is why he wasn't really playing as much or playing as well as a lot of people thought he would, given the hype that he got early in the year. So before we transition over to wide receivers, I do want to make one last point about Keyshawn King, because it seems like last year, I I do recall he had, uh, he had COVID earlier in the year that limited him in the weight room. Um, that limited him getting on the field. But Keyshawn King is a guy, if he is ready to go, if he can stay disciplined and he can stay focused, he could be a huge asset to this team. Uh, just to be able to replace that explosiveness that we had with Herbert. I feel like Keyshawn King is kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde type guy on the team here. And if we get his best, we will see the benefits from it. Um, but yeah, Grayson, kick it over to, uh, to the wide receiver room. Sure. Uh, obviously, you know, we got big play Trey coming back for year four. 
Uh, really excited about that. New number nine, Tavian Sweetfeet Robinson. And then uh, the new kid on the block, Dwayne Lofton. Uh, really, really excited to see uh, see what he does. Heard a lot about him. That's Pat Finn's guy right there. Um, so, you know, we ran the ball a lot last year. Trey Turner was kind of a non-factor. He was dealing with, I guess, injury for the bulk of the 2020 season. Um, you know, Mike, how do you think that – the wide receivers will be incorporated into the offense this, this season. What is that going to kind of look like in your eyes? Yeah. I mean, Trey Turner is the top guy. My whole thing is Trey Turner to me is the same receiver he was when he was a freshman. So my question is, can he stay healthy enough to kind of unlock that next level? He's been a very good player for tech. He's been a very consistent player for tech, but I think when he bursts onto the scene as a freshman, a lot of us expected him to be a bit better at this point in his career than he is. And a lot of that's been injury related. So can he stay healthy is a big question with him. Um, Tavion, it's a big year for him. It's a huge year for him, actually, when you consider the fact that he lost the uh, punt return duties last year because he was muffing punts and having all those issues. Um, he was still a part of the offense, but he was phased out a little bit towards the end of the year and certainly wasn't playing as much, I think, as a lot of us expected. It's a big year for him because there are a lot of young guys who can play the slot. When you consider Blackshear's versatility, he can play in the slot. When you consider Dewan Lofton coming in as a freshman, he's getting a lot of hype. He can play in the slot. Jalen Jones, another freshman, he can play in the slot. Caleb Smith can line up in the slot. Like, a lot of people are gunning for Tavion Robinson's slot receiver position if he does not play well. The one guy who I think has an opportunity to be the top receiver, if we're talking pure wide receivers, not including James Mitchell at tight end by season's end, is Jaden Payu. He's a four-star from a few years back. He's now in his third year with the program, obviously had surgery on his foot before last season. He was getting hyped up a bunch. He's been limited in camp still. Um, has a tight hamstring as he's trying to come back. He's still not cleared for full contact. If he does come back and he is healthy, he's the impact receiver that I think Virginia Tech could really use to complement Trey Turner. Because if Trey Turner, you know, gets banged up, maybe he's not as healthy. You got another guy on the other side that you can throw to outside the numbers that can really make a difference when one-on-one. You don't really have that right now at the receiver position outside of Trey Turner. So he could be a guy that could emerge and be an impact player. And then the one kind of sleeper I'm interested in seeing is Dallin Wright and what his role is going to be. Dallin Wright is a big reason, um, is a big reason why a lot of these receivers that were a part of the program are no longer here. Tyree Saunders, namely, you know, not being able to win that battle in spring in spring practice. That was a big reason why he's no longer with the program. So does Dallin Wright emerge? Does another freshman emerge? Like that's why I'm trying to watch out for. But I think Trey Turner is the obvious number one. And can he stay healthy enough to kind of unlock that potential that we all see in him? Just a couple other guys that um, have been mentioned that might be standing out early in camp. Uh, Kelly Lawson uh, from Sharando, who uh, came, you know, came in kind of like as an athlete linebacker, made the transition to wide receiver. He's got these massive hands. I don't know if you guys saw that picture. Uh, come out might have been tech sideline, but he's holding the football. It looks like a Nerf ball in his hands. Uh, and then Christian Moss is another guy who has you know come on the radar as emerging and impressing early. Um, 
And then you guys all know Changa Hodge. Changa is sidelined for most of the season with an ACL injury. Um, I would say if, if we're you know trying to be very optimistic, he could potentially return by the end of the year, but um, you know, probably not likely, but we'll, we'll uh, we have our best hopes in line for Changa. Let's talk about the numbers because this is always fun. You know, wide receivers like to change their numbers a lot. Uh, it was fun when it came out last month, all the number changes for 2021. Grayson mentioned that Tavion Robinson is rocking number nine this year. Now, when I think of number nine, unless I'm missing out on some folks, I think of Brendan Motley, uh, Chris Hill, Justice Reed last year. Vince um, Hall. Oh, Vince Hall. How did I miss that? You know, it's, it's a shorter list, though. Um, sure. So I think... Sweet Feet Tay can really create a legacy wearing nine on the offensive side of the ball. We got Daywan Lofton in number 18. Can you say Cam Phillips? Uh, one day I do want to see Daywan Lofton wearing number four, uh, like Eddie Royal, who I love to comp him with. Jaden Payute is wearing number 14. Uh, everyone keep eyes on Payute. Could be, uh, you know, the next Hazleton, but, you know, maybe that next level. And then, uh, Jalen Jones wearing 88 uh, to honor a friend of the podcast, Andre Davis. So that uh, will be exciting to see Jalen Jones out there as well. I guess uh, my last, my last thing we're going to ask David Hale may have talked me into it because at first this entire season, I'm saying at this entire off season, I'm saying wide receiver room, what's going to happen here. I got a lot of question marks. What's going on. David Hale actually went ahead and ranked the, Virginia Tech wide receiver room as the number one wide receiver room in the ACC. Yes, that is including Clemson. Yes, that is including Miami. That is including everybody in the ACC. I think if you look at it, we have plenty of depth at the slot position and the secondary receiver position. It's just who's going to be the headline guy, preferably over six foot one, six foot two, who's going to be able to be that down the field threat. You look at the impact that Demon that that uh, Damon Demon. We haven't done it in a while, so we're it's okay. We're a little rusty. That Damon Hazelton had when he departed the Damon. team last year. Damon Johnny like, Damon. like Johnny Damon. Yeah, I know. It's been a couple. It's been. I'm pissed at Missouri because Missouri took a recruit now and we lost him. So whatever. And they got Desiree. And they have Desiree. <laughs> so <laughs> Hazelton leaves last year, and you saw the effect that that had. Not to mention that Trey Turner was hobbled for most of the year. Uh, so that down the field threat is going to be key, as we discussed with Don V, uh, and in the Discord the other day. Um, a lot of people are wondering if Braxton Burmeister is capable of pushing the ball down the field. While Trey Trey Turner is a great reception wide receiver, we still need a down the field threat. I feel like that is what this team really, really needs to take that next step in the offense. So excited to see what happens there. And one of the guys that could be lining up and being one of those threats are Jimmy Mitchell, who plays tight end in one of the – has a chance to be a first-team All-ACC guy. We had him on the podcast as well, an incredible leader of this team. Um, but go ahead, Grayson, break it down with the tight end room. Sure. So, first off, I want to shout out uh, our guy, Jimmy Mitchell, James Mitchell, number 82. He was on Packer and Durham the other day. If you haven't gotten the chance, definitely his birthday, wasn't it? Wasn't his I, birthday? I, I, I'm not sure, but he he was on Packer and Durham, and and just what a what a guy, what a gentleman representing the university in the best way. Um, go check that out. Uh, yeah, let's talk TEs. Uh, Jimmy Mitchell is you know that's kind of Captain Obvious answer there. He's going to have a 
you know, a phenomenal season. Uh, he had a great season last year. He was the go-to guy. We saw glimmers of uh, Nick Gallo last year. Uh, he played very well, had some said some solid receptions for the Hokies. Uh, beyond that, you know, I, 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 I really don't know. We still, we still got Drake back there. Uh, I'm, I'm, this is a pro, a pro Drake Delulis. Is, is that I can never say his last name. I'm pretty sure it's Deulis, right? Deulis. Deulis. I want to make sure I get that right. The pride, uh, the pride of Charlotte, North Carolina. Let's just call him Double D. Double D. Can I ask yeah. you a question? Can I ask you a depth question really quickly? Yeah. Mike, do you know where oh, from Mike? Do you know where uh Hollifield Jr. is playing right now? Is he still on the offensive line? I saw pictures of him in a tight end number. Where is he practicing? Yeah, offensive line is okay. what it looks like right now. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. In the, in the team picture, he's wearing your old number, Billy Ray. He's wearing he is. Six. sixes, yeah. dude. Sixes. sixes. Shout out. Shout out. Um, but anyway, tight ends, you know, I think Jimmy's gonna be the guy. Uh, and and like you said, Bill, I mean, he's he can very well be a downfield deep threat uh when other guys aren't available to do so. Um I really think it's going to be Jimmy and Nick, though, are, are the guys we're going to see most uh, lining up at tight end, um, unless you guys know something I don't. Well, my question is, uh, and, and uh, Mike, you and I were talking about this, uh, and then I lost my service in the, uh, in the, uh, in the mountains of New Mexico. Um, we were discussing, do we think that James Mitchell is going to line up at the exit all? We saw this at Florida last year. Um, depending on Jaden Payute's health, and how much Nick guys like Nick Gallo and Double D are trusted with the offense. Can you see James Mitchell lining up at the X? Yeah, I can. I mean, Virginia Tech offenses in the past have done that. I mean, it was a different offensive coordinator, but you guys will remember for most of Bucky Hodge's career, he was split out wide. I mean, he was never a hand-in-the-ground tight end. Um, I could see it. I think a lot of it, to your point, Billy, does depend on whether or not Jaden Payu's healthy and whether or not you can trust guys like Caleb Smith and Trey Turner to potentially be that guy lining up outside consistently. They tend to, I mean, you look at Cornell, so he tends to line up his receivers all over the field. Um, it will be no different in my opinion with James Mitchell, but I think they would prefer to have him lining up in the slot. If they can have Jaden Payu lining up outside, I think that's kind of the dream scenario and then have Trey Turner split on the other side of the field. I think that's what they want to do. A lot of it depends on if Payute's going to be healthy enough to play, though, which I feel this feels like a divine Diablo thing where it's like we know once he's on the field and like healthy, he's going to be able to make an impact. But until then, it's just like kind of a huge question mark. Fantastic comp. Fantastic comp with the Diablo comp. Let's move on right along to the offensive line, the big uglies. Grayson, kick us off with the big guys. The big uglies, you know. At this, at this position, we return a lot of star power, a lot of talent, a lot of guys with experience. Obviously, Brock Hoffman, big, a big, ugly number one. Uh, had him on the podcast a few weeks ago. I mean, plays with a level of tenacity I've never seen before. Uh, just absolutely ferocious. Then we got Lasita Smith is coming back. Luke Tenuta, that's six foot nine, blocking kicks with his head. Uh <laughs> You know, green giant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, wow. That's taking that's like way two back. and a half years ago. That's wow. Great. That's one of our first episodes. Uh, Terrell Smith and then Silas Zanzi is is coming back as well. I guess my only my only qualm 
with, with the offensive line. It's just depth. Like a lot of positions on this football team is if one guy gets hurt, it's kind of, well, who, who steps up? Who steps up to replace Brock Hall? Yeah. Who steps up to replace Luke Tenuta? Bill, what are your thoughts on this, man? I, mean, I think – so one of the things that I was interested to hear, I don't remember if it was on the Don V podcast or if it was on the Discord. Um, speaking of which, we've kind of alluded to it. If you haven't uh, and you're over the age of 18, head on over and listen to the Don V podcast. Yeah. It was a Saturday. It was a, t- it was a ton of fun. We covered a lot of different subjects. Um, but somebody said that they were – like hesitant or curious, or a lot of the season depends on if Luke Tenuta takes the next step in his career. I'm going to be honest with you. I fully expect Luke Tenuta to be a first or second round draft pick. He is extremely talented. He has been playing early in his career um, and he has fantastic feet. This is a guy who is, I think can be an elite offensive lineman in the ACC. Uh, My biggest concern, and Pat's going to touch on this a little bit later, is at the tackle position. But I feel pretty confident about the middle of our offensive line. We have Johnny Jordan, who transferred in from Maryland. Uh, he similar. I know him and Brock were, were battling for that center spot. It looks like Brock's going to take that center spot. Uh, but John Jordan, Johnny Jordan, the, one of the things that Coach Vice always preaches, and that's been huge with him, is every player has the ability to play every position. Just tackles one of those positions where you got to be a taller type of guy. But you got Lasita Smith. He can play in the middle. Johnny Jordan can play in the middle. Silas Zanzi can play in the middle. Um, there's Silas of, is also just massive. That Silas is, is a large human. He is a yeah. very, huge. very, very large human being. Um, but you look at some of the, de- the the names of guys that departed. You got I, I got to say again, Virginia Tech has came out roses in the transfer portal. Um, in my opinion, I think that we've brought in some great guys. But this is another position where you see a lot of depth being an issue. Austin Cannon did not transfer. He decided to uh, hang it up with his football career. Walker Culver retired for football injuries. Brian Hudson transfers to Louisville. TJ Jackson to Ohio after he stepped on Braxton's toes. Um, So we won't have to deal with that again. Uh, (laughs) You've got Doug Nestor. He transferred to West Virginia. Zachariah Hoyt is done with football. And Christian Derrissaw is in the NFL. So a lot of question marks, but we have a lot of young guys who have played early in their career. Pat, what is your question regarding the tackle position? My question regarding tackle, I guess, and even just to, before we get to that, just some new guys who we might expect to see this year that have not necessarily contributed in the past, but, uh, you know, might be receiving uh, some snaps this year. Caden Moore, I believe he was class of 20, was he 2020 or 2019? Um, Caden Moore. Parker Clements is a guy that, uh, you know, Coach Vice and really the fan base has raved about and people have heard a lot about. Um, Jesse Hansen, Botetot guy, could see a lot of Jesse and uh, Darrell Bailey as well. But um, yeah, the question mark right now is that tackle position at right tackle. It sounds like Terrell Smith, at least going into camp or early in camp, is the front runner in the clubhouse uh, at right tackle. But the question is who will line up at right tackle on September 3rd? Will it be Terrell Smith? Will it be Parker Clements? That's kind of one of those unanswerable questions that we're not sure about right now. I'm almost willing to bet that both of them are going to play on September 3rd. Um, I think, uh, I think they're both going to play a good bit. Um, I would also keep in mind, and Pat, you didn't say this, but I've seen a couple of times, some freshman names being thrown around it is extremely rare 
to see true freshman play, especially at the offensive line position. I believe last year, Danny Gell, get Danny uh, Gell and uh, and Bryce Goodner out there. Well, he's yeah. he's built he's built different. He's from another country, so who knows? Um, but uh, but last uh, when Christian Darrisaw started against Florida State, I believe he was one of nine true freshman offensive lineman to make the start in the first game of the season. Um, so that is extraordinarily rare. Um, so I wouldn't look to for, uh, the freshman class for guys to come in. I'm very high on Parker Clements. I've heard nothing but awesome things about Parker Clements. Terrell Smith, universally one of the most beloved people on the football team um, and is probably more familiar with the offense than maybe some of the coaches are familiar with the offense. So, I mean, that guy knows it inside out and backwards. Um so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, but I think both of them play a good bit. Mike, do you have any thoughts on the offensive line? Yeah, I actually think Johnny Jordan's going to start, and I know that's not the offensive line that they trotted out to start camp, and I get why they did it, right? They had Tenuta at left tackle, Lasidus at left guard, Brock at center, and then right guard is essentially essentially Silas Janzi, and then you got Terrell Smith at right tackle. I get why that's the that's the five to start camp because it's the guys most familiar with the offense, a lot of experience on that line. I get it, but Johnny Jordan was an all big 10 honorable mention at Maryland on the offensive line. He's a very good football player. They're going to find ways to get him on the field. Um, even if it's not at center, you know, you can move him to left or right guard. It would probably be right guard. And then you can make a decision at right tackle. Do you want to bump Silas Chansey outside? You know, we talked about Parker Clements and Terrell Smith. You have options there, right? And then there's the Jesse Hansons of the world. And, you know, you want to mix and match up front. Um, Vance Vice has done a great job of that, right? He always makes sure that his guys can play multiple positions on the offensive line. If there are injuries up front, the one guy who you can't afford to lose is Brock Hoffman because he's got versatility up front that a lot of the other offensive linemen don't. Um, he can play both guard positions. He can play center. Worst case scenario, you can bump him out. I, I probably wouldn't put him at left tackle, but I, I would put him at right tackle if there was an absolute emergency and you had to try to piece together an offensive line one game. I could see that happening too. So it'll be interesting. I think there's potential for Johnny Jordan to start though in the opener against North Carolina. I think he's too talented not to play him. So if he starts, who's bumping? That's that's the question, right? Are you comfortable enough having Silas Janzi bounce outside to right tackle, which is something that this coaching staff hasn't always been um, comfortable with, I think it's fair to say, because um, he's been bouncing around tackle guard he's been rotating in and out he can play multiple positions too it's really it really comes down to who do you want do you want silas jansi a right tackle do you want the experience of terrell smith knowing that he is a tackle and he can play tackle that's the question um but terrell smith he's in his you know seventh year with the program you know hokey's phd terrell smith um <laughs> there's a reason why he hasn't consistently started in his career right so do you want to have that I don't want to call him a liability because I think that would be unfair, but he hasn't been a proven starter for the Hokies consistently over his career. So do you want to have him out there on a consistent basis? If the answer is no, you're probably putting Jansy at right tackle, but that opens up another can of worms. Or do you just go Parker Clements? I mean, do you just run run him out there? I, I don't know. I don't think they'll do that September 3rd, but I think they could do that over the course of the season if they don't love the line play. It's truly going to be one of those musical chair type of years uh, for the offensive line. For those of you unfamiliar, Johnny Jordan, a six foot one, 303 pound senior from Gonzaga High School and from Leesburg, Virginia. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But again, I've been I, I think we could, we're all on the same page out of the position coaches on this team. Coach Vice, 
great at recruiting, has done a great job with the offensive line, sent multiple guys to the NFL. I trust his judgment, uh, and I, I believe we're going to get this thing figured out. <clears throat> that does it for the offense. Does anyone have any final thoughts on the offense, Mike? Got to keep Burmeister upright. He's got to play well. That's, that's it. That's the story. Of, that's literally the story of the season. That's it. Chandelier. Chandelier. I have one thing that I want to point out uh, that I mentioned on the Don V podcast as well. Um, a lot of people have a lot of issues <clears throat> with the offense uh, and blame a lot of the problems that we've seen on the offense. Now, Grayson, you love to hit me with the coach Cornelson's offense produces statistics. It does not produce wins. While I agree with this statement, there's one thing to keep in mind. If you go back, I actually, I crunched the numbers here. I did some, I did some number crunching and I went back and I looked at points per game given up by the defense versus the offense all the way back to 2016, 2016, Defense gives up 22.79. The offense scores a scathing 35 points per game. Fantastic season. Coach Fuente's first season, we win 10 games. 2017, Pat, you got fired up when I told you this. We gave up 14.7 points a game on on defense. I think people forget how awesome the 2017 defense was. 14.7 points per game on defense, and we scored 28. Nine wins. 2018, Here's where the wheels fall off. 2018, we give up 18 points per game. We score 29.85. That's a six-win season. 2019, we give up 24.6. We score 30.8. 2020, we give up 32.0, and we score 31.0. What is this telling us? Last season, we won five games. What is this telling us? Our offense consistently every single year is scoring at or around 30 points per game, 30 points per game. If you told a Virginia tech fan 15 years ago, at some point, we're going to average 30 points per game, 10 years ago, or 10 years ago that we're going to score 30 points per game. You're thinking we're going to win a lot of football games. I think some of the situational stuff and the third down stuff has been an issue. And I think a lot of that has to do with the roster uh, challenges that we have that come back to recruiting, which and full transparency has been a serious issue. But if you look at it, the team has really struggled when the defense is giving up. You can't give up 25, 28 points per game. You certainly can't give up 30, 32, 31 points per game. So I think the offense consistently has hit at that 30-point region. And I would argue, I would love y'all's opinions, this is the most talented ones, first group, that we have had since 2016. Are there any qualms with that? From terms of our first headline guys, injuries barred. I, you know, the only, like, I think I think the best quarterback we've had since 2016 was Gerard Evans. I mean, that man was a magician. But every other position, I mean, I, I think that's fair to say. And and I have no qualms with that with with that breakdown because I think it's great. Um, at the end of the day, and everyone in the in this Zoom column right here agrees with me. At the end of the day, what we all want is for Cornelson's offense to score more points than the other team when there's three zeros left on the clock. Because at the end of the day, that's what matters. Um, we also need the defense to give up less points to the other team. That is also true. So that I is mean, also true. I guess what I'm getting at with this entire thing, I think we're poised to have 
either the best or one of the two best seasons that we've had from an output perspective on offense, barring injury. And is there anybody that disagrees with that? No, that's right. Under that's Fuente, correct. yeah, I agree. That's correct. I agree. Okay. I, I, the, I, we've had more talented offensive lines under Fuente, I think. Uh, there's still talent up front. Skill position-wise, since 2016, though, this is, this is the best offense, I think, at least at receiver and tight end the Tech's had in a really long time. Even running back, I think, I think, I think the ability to have backs that actually have, everybody loves to say that we're, we're, we have a wide array of depth. I think this is the first time where you have actual backs where you're like, we have a third down back, we have a barn burner back, we have a guy who can uh, make plays out of the backfield in the passing game type of back. Jalen Holston's a great blitz pickup guy. I know Pat's getting fired up about that. I couldn't leave that out. Um, but I, I'm excited about every room on our offense. Just There's please, balance. Please stay healthy. Please stay healthy. We're going to move right over on to the defense. Um, and I'm going to start this off with a stat, too, because I had uh, Mike McDaniel just texted the, uh, the thread and said Billy had time for number crunching after spike ball. That is true. I did have time for number crunching after spike ball. I want to talk about our linebackers. Our linebackers and defensive line, I think, have been a significant issue with this football team last year last year Chamari Connor led this football team with 81 tackles three-fifths of our leading tackles that means three out of five our leading tacklers were defensive backs this is the first time that a defensive back has led the team in tackles since 2015 that was Chuck Clark he's in the NFL um, but what does this mean why do we care that Chamari Connor is leading the team in tackles Chamari Connor is a great football player uh, why do we care that defensive backs, three out of the five, are leading our team in tackles? This means that too many times, either the running back, the wide receiver, or the quarterback is getting to the third line of our defense. Because if Tremari Connor is not making that tackle or if safety is not making that tackle, more than likely the running back is scoring a touchdown. Um, this points to me to poor gap integrity and poor linebacker play. Rayshard Ashby for 2019 and 2018 led the team in tackles in 2020. Rayshard Ashby definitely took a step back. Tisdale often looked light, dealing with conditioning issues, and was down from 220 pounds to 210 pounds last season. How does this get fixed? First and foremost, I think the most important thing for this defense is Dax Hallfield taking that step that we have been waiting for him to take. And I believe he will take this season. It will be the first season that Dax Hallfield is playing his true position at the Mike linebacker position. We're also looking at Tisdale. Tisdale is up from 210 to 227. We saw him play fantastic in 2019. He's heavier. He's got another year under his belt. I'm excited for Tisdale as well. And we will also need more consistent defensive line play anchored around Jordan Williams. I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but Jordan Williams, when you look at him just by our other defensive linemen, we have not had a specimen or person of this stature on a roster for Virginia Tech in I don't know how I don't know when the last time we had someone like Johnny uh, like uh, I'm sorry, like Jordan Williams on this team from a stature perspective, except for Tim Settle. So that's kind of my soliloquy here on the defense. Mike, do you have any thoughts on this Hokie defense before we dive into this roster here? 
Yeah, I know we're going to be doing like team MVPs and stuff, so I don't want to give too much away later, but it's a big year for the linebackers. Like Dax Hollyfield at Mike, I think, is a more natural position. Um, I know they had to play Ashby there last year, and they had to bounce Dax outside. I mean, he's not he's not made for that backer position. I mean, he's better, much better, in my opinion, in the middle of the defense. And I think he'll thrive there. Um, Ashby, I'm sorry, not Ashby, Tisdale, like you mentioned, Bill, uh, was able to put weight on in the offseason. I think the one thing we can all point to when we look at Tisdale play last year was that in a lot of a lot of circumstances, he was in position to make a play and he just wasn't able to fully make the tackle. It's like, all right, he's got to put on a little bit of weight, add a little bit more strength. He's done that. So I'm excited to see him kind of progress and maybe become that player that, you know, he's flashed in the past. He's shown the potential. Um, now, can he be that guy consistently? at outside linebacker, because that's what Tech really needs. And then secondary, a ton of depth. I mean, my, my biggest question is, number one, what's Devin Hunter's role? Um, and, and what's Tay Daly's role, right? Coming in as a transfer from Vanderbilt, um, one of the best defenders on that really bad Vanderbilt team, but he was a very good player in the SEC. So is he going to play? If so, how much? Does Keontae Jenkins, you know, come on and have more of a role similar to how he did early last year? And then I think the biggest question mark in the entire secondary is Jermaine Waller and whether or not he's healthy. He said he's 100% healthy. He said he's a full go in camp. The coaches have you know, said in the media availability that he's looked good in camp. Can he emerge as that guy that we saw two years ago when he was one of the better defensive backs in the conference? If he emerges as that guy and Dorian Strong takes another step forward, Tech's got two of the, you know, maybe has the best cornerback tandem or one of the best cornerback tandems in the ACC potentially. So there's a lot riding on Waller's health and a lot riding on Dorian Strong not having a sophomore slump. I think those are pretty significant. The linebacker play just really needs to improve. You know, from Bill, from Bill's soliloquy there about the linebacker play, and then Mike, some of the things that you just touched on, additional names that you know could come into play this year that have came up a few times over the past few weeks, uh, Dean Ferguson and C.J. McCray. Uh, C.J. McCray is the transfer from Marshall. Uh, who is getting his weight up to the size that Tisdale is now at. Dean Ferguson's also a specimen as well. But, um, you know, over to the defensive backs. Mike, you said, you know, the best cornerback tandem in the ACC. I think the defensive backs is the, the best position group on this Virginia Tech team right now. Without um, question. You know, you have the assumption that Waller is 100%. That's what we heard a few weeks ago. Um, if he's a shutdown corner, that makes Dorian Strong's job uh, more important if Waller is not being thrown to. But there's also a ton of playable depth uh, in the secondary. You, know, you have guys like Breon Murray and Armani Chapman to back up Dorian Strong and Jermaine Waller. Um, and then you know guys like Devin Taylor and Jalen Stroman to be able to back up Jenkins or Devin Hunter and and Tay Daly will see a lot of time as well. So there's a lot of guys back there. And that's, you know, Coach Ham and, and Coach Smitty's units. Can I just um, say, I think I think this is something that we hinted at it. It's, it's easy to forget, right? Because last year you just think about, okay, we won five games. We sucked. I want to forget all about last year. I think it's worth remembering that a season like last year, dealing with the really unique situations that we did, gave those young players who maybe wouldn't have had an opportunity to get these reps, 
get reps. And this is by far, Pat, I agree with you. I think we have multiple all ACC selections at this position group. And I think it is the most trustworthy position group. And I know we'll get into this for our UNC talk, but this is why I'm so high on us versus North Carolina. Their weakness lines up directly with our strength and our strength is in that defensive backfield. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Pat, and I would say one more name to watch out for. I've heard great things about Jalen Strollman. Um, I think that he has a chance to get involved, whether that is on special teams or whether that is directly on the defense. I think Jalen Stroman is a guy that we'll see contributing this upcoming year. And there's also, you know, DJ Harvey, the top recruit of our 2020 class who haven't heard too much about him. Um, but you see the video today? Yeah. No, the, the, the video, the Hokies FB on Instagram, dude. He uh, he was he was doing his thing. I'm really excited about that kid. I'm not saying he's going to play a lot this season because I don't think he he will. I, I think most of his playing time will be on special teams. That's probably where we'll get glimmers of 2.0. Uh, and so I don't know, man. Two years time, DJ Harvey is going to be a star. It's a good thing that it, when you have so much depth and the guy as talented as DJ Harvey it might you know, not get in uh, on defense this year. That means that we have a lot of, uh, a lot of talent in that room. Moving on along to the linebacker position. I know Pat will have plenty to say about our defensive line, which has taken a couple of lumps in the last couple of months, but linebacker position cannot stress how important it is. And I'm, and and I want to say this, I feel like this, this is definitely what Dax wants. Dax, Dax is a competitor Dax loves football, uh, and again, he's playing his natural position at the Mike linebacker. This is all going to come around Dax Hollifield. Um, and again, Coach, uh, Coach Hamilton finally has a full year to implement his defense. Um, so interested to see some of the changes that we may see. Also at the linebacker position, some names to look out for. Alan Tisdale, obviously, we already talked about him. Keyshawn Artis. Dean Ferguson and CJ McCray is another way to uh, another name to look out for Uh, CJ McCray, I believe led Marshall in tackles um, before transferring into Virginia tech. So another uh, just like Tay Daly, somebody coming from another program. Uh, He's from Mallard Creek high school. Really excited to see really McCray. uh, We did a trade with Marshall CJ McCray for Tavante Beckett. Yes. Yes. So Excited to see, uh, excited to see what shakes out there in the linebacker room, but definitely one of the most important uh, areas on this field uh, and on this team. So, Mike, do you have any other thoughts on the linebacker room? No, not really. Other than I, I do think Dean Ferguson could play a decent amount, especially if you know the top two linebackers struggle. I think we could definitely see Dean Ferguson on the field. Coach has been talking about him a lot in camp too, and you know, impressed with his development and. I think it's only a matter of time before we see him in a bigger role. All right, let's jump into the defensive line. So uh, Jared Hewitt departed for the NFL last year. And then this has been the position group that has received probably the most attrition uh, over the past six months. Uh, You got Justin Beatles entering the transfer portal. I believe he's at Illinois. He ended up in Illinois. Jaden Cunningham, uh, medically retired. Um, Robert Wooten and Alec Bryant, defensive ends, both from Texas, uh, both, you know, not necessarily by anyone's choice. They had to uh, enter the portal as well. 
Deshaun Crawford has also left the program. Is there anyone else that I'm missing? Deshaun Crawford to Southern Miss. Zion DeBose. Zion DeBose. DeBose. DeBunks. The jet sweep. (laughs) (laughs) Entered the transfer portal and uh, transferred to Buffalo and transferred to Kansas instead. I don't know what that means, but that's on the website. That's the Khalil Uh, Herbert, Ryan Willis, uh, Evan Fares trade. By with a hybrid model of uh, of of uh, Cartier Giada, that, some weird, weird GMing going on. Did Did you get uh, Justin Beatles as well? I got Justin Beatles. Okay, Justin Beatles. The whole list: Justin Beatles, Alec Bryant, Robert Wooten, Deshaun Crawford, Zion Debose, Justice Reed declared for the NFL. He's like thirty, uh, and then Jared Hewitt went for the draft. And one more, which, Hewitt. Hewitt can do it. This sucks. It really sucks. He's a great kid, oh, man. and he's taken a step forward every year in his career. Emmanuel Belmar uh, had to medically disqualify due to uh, a laundry list of injuries that he's had over his career. Um, I was really excited about Belmar. Uh, he had a great career while at Tech. He took a step forward every single year in his, uh, at his time, uh, so wishing him nothing but the best in whatever venture is next uh, for Emmanuel. Mike, when you look at this defensive line room, defensive tackle, defensive end, you add Jordan Williams, what are you expecting to see out of this defensive line room? I mean, I'd, I'd be lying if I said that I was not a little bit concerned about defensive end and obviously not the starters. <laughs> I mean, Barno's preseason all ACC and Taiwan Garbutt's back and, and playing well and should have a huge role on this team. So it's not really the starters as much a defensive end as the depth, which I think a lot of people are concerned about. So, you know, is it Eli Adams? Is it Jalen Griffin? Is it, you know, Stretch Carroll or Cole Nelson? You know, two of the freshmen, do they break into the two deep if there is an injury? That's what I'm interested to see. Um, the two deep coming out of fall camp is really going to be important, I think, at defensive end. Um, defensive tackle, you know, feel great about Jordan Williams. Josh Fuga is a guy I'm, I'm pretty high on who's continued to play really well. He's also from my neck of the woods from Prince William County. So, um, a little bit biased there, but I would like to see him have a role and play well. Um, but yeah, the, the concern for me is defensive end. And I, and I think the starting group up front is going to be more than capable of, of handling the load. Um, Love Norrell Pollard, too. Didn't mention him. He's going to have a huge role, obviously, as well, um, probably before Josh Fuga does. Uh, but I think that group on the interior defensive line, you know, you got a bit more playable experience there. It's defensive end where if you have an injury, then you're breaking into some guys who have, haven't played as much. But doesn't mean the defensive line can't be good. I think, you know, the starting defensive line is, you know, one of the best units on the team. Um, I think the defensive line has a chance to really surprise some people and, and be very good if they stay healthy. And that's, that's the big question. If you start getting to depth then I start having some concerns there as I do with the rest of the roster, but the trans the transfer portal giveth and it taketh away and a defensive end, there's been a lot of the taking away recently. And that's what I'm most concerned about. One of the things that everybody said, so people talk about is uh, they say, when you go to the gym, every time you go to the gym, it gets a little bit easier, get a little less sore. Every time you run, First time you run, it's going to be the hardest. And then it gets a little easier and a little easier. Well, this might be a Bikram yoga stretch, but I'm going to say this is that first year. As you see how Virginia Tech is recruiting, you're going to notice that our defensive lines are going to be getting larger and larger and heavier and heavier. And this is the first year I think we're really going to see that. At the linebacker position, you have a guy like Tisdale, who you really haven't had 
uh, in the way that we've recruiting. John, uh, gotta stop calling him Johnny Jordan. Jordan Williams is one of the largest human beings that we have ever seen on our defensive line. In terms of Amari Barno, I can't remember the last time we had a talented freak like that at the defensive end position. But as we move forward, I think you're going to see as the recruit recruiting class that we have brought in and are bringing in this next year, larger and larger human beings are going to be on our defensive and our offensive lines. Interested to see how that pans out. Does anyone else have any other thoughts on the defense before we move to special teams? Yes, Mario Kendricks. Let's not forget Mario Kendricks. I remember when Kendricks and Pollard both committed, uh, both yep. defensive tackles out of Florida. They have developed very similarly. I don't recall what number Mario is wearing this year. Let me pull it up real quick. Did Mario he switch? Has switched to number 22. 22, 22. on the. Wait, so what's Chamari? Chamari's number well, one. He's number one. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Mario spirit. Kendricks, don't sleep on Mario and. Uh, and Narelle Pollard in the middle there, the Florida. So, some interesting numbers on the defensive line this year. 22, Jordan Williams moved to 12. Narelle Pollard is wearing number three. Uh, so I, I, and then Josh Fug is number six now. So a, a lot of switch ups there. And that'll be, that'll be very, I love the single digit defensive lineman. All in on single digit defensive lineman. We're going to move right along to special teams. But first, special teams, special offers. They both start with the name special and you are special. So we want you to be in the most special of living arrangements. And that is available at the hub in Blacksburg. Let's look at their flash special. Boop, 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 boop. Headed over to their website. Oh, look at that. They're still running the flash special. $100 off all four by four floor plans. Plus get up to $700 when you sign. Check it out on huboncampus.com slash Blacksburg. Find what moves you at the Hub Blacksburg. We're going to talk about special teams. I'm excited to talk about special teams, but I have no idea what is going on on the special teams side of things. The kicking game is going to be one big fat question mark. Punter Peter Moore, a Sons of Saturday alumni, he punted in place of Oscar at the UVA game. He punted three times for 99 yards. It's a 33-yard average. Simple math. Uh, he had a high of 39 in the UVA game. Place kickers, JPR, hop, skip, and a jump. How fired up are we about that, Pat? Listen, there's nothing like being over in Section 5 after a touchdown, and you get to see JPR come onto the field with the special teams unit about to kick off, and he does his little prancer and dancer and Comet and Cupid and, you know, jumping up and down the high step. We're over there in section five, just a, you know, football toss away. And we're doing the same thing. We're bringing our knees way up high. We're getting excited. John Parker Romo. We're excited to see you again in 19 days. John Parker Romo returning back. We also have Will Ross, a South Carolina transfer. South Carolina to VT. I don't know. Starting the pipeline. It's been the other way around recently. Uh, and then who else do we have on this list, Pat? My guy, Zach Hoban, the pride of Chatham, New Jersey. I was actually born in Chatham, lived there for five years. Also wow. went to Seton Hall Prep, rival of Del Barton, go Green Wave, Pirates stink. Uh, but shout out Zach Hoban, <laughs> who is... Shout out Zach Coven, who is also in the uh, the plays kicker room there. Got to shout out my guy, Oscar Shadley. No question marks there. Oscar Shadley was announced uh, as a preseason long snapper award. I don't know what it's called. I don't uh, know who the votes the on top it. one. He, uh, we got to stop with these watch lists. 
I mean, I, dude, I mean, yeah. too many, too many to Out keep of track of. But Chadley yeah. was was put on the watch list for the nation's top long snapper. Pretty yeah, soon. I'm just saying. I don't know what it's like. Who's it named after? I don't. Know. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. Um. No, so I, I mean, if we don't if we don't talk about Oscar Shadley for the rest of this year, then Oscar Shadley had a great year. So, Oscar Shadley, we're talking about you now. Hopefully, we don't talk about you again. Um, kickers and punt returners. Khalil Herbert departs, averaging 26.9 yards per return, which is good for 18th in the country. Um, my money's on Tavion Robinson. Um, does anyone else want to zag me on Tavion Robinson returning punts and kicks this year? Maybe Keyshawn. Didn't Keyshawn King return a few yeah. punts in, in – He returned uh, kicks and punts. Yeah, In 2019. 19. I yep. feel like with him being back, I don't know. It, it, and it was Robinson who had the uh, the issues muffing the punts last year. Don't love that ever. Uh, so, you know, lo- love Tavian Robinson. I think he's a very talented wide receiver, but I, I want someone who can not muff punts. And I Ke- Keyshawn King I don't think ever did. So That is Tavian Robinson's – position said he says that's my job he says i think i got my swagger back and tavion robinson is he's ready he's ready (laughs) sweet feet tay is ready to make some sweet feet moves back there we're going to see the 2019 version of tavion robinson uh out returning punts hashtag anybody but james mitchell 2021 uh he he better not not one time that, <laughs> that's that means, okay and james knows why james can i ask why why that, that why? means we've reached the bottom of the barrel i mean he's too not va- he's too valuable to be returning punts and your tight end should never ever ever, ever be we returning need punts. we you, need Mike. we need james mitchell blocking punts thank okay? you um I now, love James that, Mitchell. I think, he we, knows, just, I think he knows. we just reached peach, peak energy for the special teams preview of 2021. <laughs> so, Hot take. All right, wow. Let, let – uh, I, I think DJ Harvey might do it one of these days. Maybe one not guy, this season. Maybe not this season, but one of these. One guy, one guy I could see back there. I mean, there, Dewan Lofton has been taking reps in camp at punt return specifically with Tavion. Tavion's the guy, but Lofton's been working back there as well. So I could see Lofton contributing on punt return if Tavion struggles or on kick return potentially. That one other guy who has been talked about in camp who's a young guy, and I don't know if they want to burn his red shirt or not, but Chance Black has been getting a lot of love, and he is an electric player. If you look at his high school film, I wonder if they want to mix him in specifically a kick return. Um, because I don't think you want to burn a red shirt with him just being a punt returner, but kick return, I could see him playing a, a major role. And if you guys remember back, uh, we're going back a little bit now, J.C. Coleman, when he first arrived in Blacksburg, yeah, he played a little bit at running back. But he played a lot at kick return his freshman year, and I could see a similar scenario for a guy like a Chance Black, potentially, if we're thinking outside the box. Chance Black at a Dorman High School, South Carolina. It's big time football. Chance Black. So you're telling me there's a chance. A lot of a uh, lot of puns. I don't want to be. Actually, you guys might raise some eyebrows. Here. I don't want to be Captain Negative because that's not who I am. But the one thing that I would say, Mike, you're going to agree with me on this. Special teams is the position where depth cannot lie. Depth is crucially important on special teams, and that is typically where. The more talented teams like the LSUs or the Alabamas or the Clemsons of the world crush other teams, even the Miamis, because they're constantly bringing in talent. So this is, A, an opportunity for young guys to get to get playing time, an opportunity for guys to get on the field. But at the same standpoint, you're going to learn a lot about our depth and our back-end talent 
on special teams. Does that concern anybody here? I don't a know little bit. I mean, because Coach Beamer, what he used to do and what he got famous for was is he would put the top talent on the field playing special teams. And because, you know, we have our top talent, but we don't have a lot of depth, it's kind of hard to do that because you run the risk of your top injured. talent getting injured. Right. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the – you're between a rock and a hard place there. I don't think they're going to be trotting Jaden Payute out there to trot to block punts. I don't think that's going to be – I don't think that's going to be in the fold or Trey Turner out there to uh, block punts. I could be wrong, but that's just one of the things that I, uh, that I would definitely keep in mind for this year. Um, that does it for the position breakdown. Uh, offense, defense, special teams. We got pretty fired up for special teams. I'm pretty proud of that. Um, so the next section of our podcast is basically the checklist for boom – in the checklist for bust. What has to happen for this team to overachieve and what has to happen for this team to underachieve? But first, to understand that question, guys, what is the what are we expecting? What is an average cookie cutter, mediocre Virginia Tech football season? I just want you to give me a number and maybe a sentence or two after that. I'm going to go with a mediocre season for this team since it's seven or eight wins. Or eight? No, we got a hard set this. It's we seven. got a hard set? It's seven. Yeah, it's seven. Okay, I'll say it's seven. seven. It's seven. seven. Seven wins is, medi- is mid. Okay. Mediocre as hell. Mid okay. McDaniel. Yeah. Mid McDaniel. Mike, <laughs> do you agree? McDaniel. Are you, on, are you on board with seven? <laughs> seven <laughs> wins. Got to be a mediocre seven. I'm there. Okay. I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. So what has to happen for this team to boom? Grayson, hit us with the boom checklist. I, uh, I, I didn't comment as much on the defense uh, a little earlier because I wanted to save it until here. But um, look, y'all, for Virginia Tech to overachieve in 2021, which in my calm objective opinion means win nine games in the regular season or more, I'd take more any day of the week, there cannot be a single key injury to our starting quarterback. We've already covered that. We've hammered that point home. He's, you know, the chain on the chandelier. Any one of our defensive linemen, starting defensive linemen, cannot get hurt, or any one of our starting defensive backs cannot get hurt. If by some miracle we stay completely and utterly unscathed from a health perspective, which is it's football, so that's just not going to happen, we have the talent to beat every single team on our schedule. That doesn't mean we will. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Um, second thing that has to happen for us to overachieve in 2021 And this was a problem last year, and this is where Grayson's blood boils. The same Virginia Tech football team has to show up and get off the bus every single Saturday. The team that gets off the bus angrier than a hornet's nest to play UNC needs to be the same team that gets off the bus for the Richmond game two weeks later or whenever it is. Every snap has to be the same level of intensity, ferocity, aggression, I'm going to call a spade a spade. You can see clear as day that there were several games last year where the entire team was not in sync. So it, it was very apparent that in some games, they just didn't care. I mean, you can sell rubbers to a monk before you could convince me that we played like we gave a single damn in that Wake Forest game. We can't afford that kind of embarrassment. We should never lose to Wake Forest ever or Liberty, any of those teams. We don't lose to those teams. So if we come out 
And we play with a Brock Hoffman level of intensity, ruthless aggression every Saturday, wanting to knock someone's head off, then we can be a dangerous football team. That's what it's going to take to overachieve and win more than a mediocre seven or a eh, okay eight. I want nine. I, I want to win all, all of our games. Grayson, to, when are you talking to the team? They bring, dude, it, they bring you in pre-UNC? Dude, I honestly, Coach Fu, hit me up. <laughs> Alabama, Alabama brings in Ernie Johnson. Virginia Tech brings in Grayson. Grayson, <laughs> I gotta say, I, Grayson, I think this has been one of the biggest Achilles heels of uh, of the Fuente regime, and it also dated back to Coach Beamer because there, there's that one or two or three games where you go, "What the hell is this team that's showing up right now?" In 2016, yes. it happened against Syracuse. Syracuse. In 2016, 17, and 18, it happened against Georgia Tech. It's just like, who, who is this football? What is, ha- what is happening? I've seen us play not like this at all, and then we show up and we, and we look horrible. Yeah. And it, it cannot happen this football season. Um, and I think that is going to be huge for this football team. It's just consistency. Um, we haven't had consistency at multiple positions, including the quarterback position, which Pat has talked about. But I completely agree with you. Grayson, Pat. Well, yeah, one thing I want to touch on there, and then I I have a point or two to bring up as well. Um, Consistency is so reflective off of leadership. And this team has leaders in every single corner. You have Dax Hollifield. You have Chamari Connor. You have James Mitchell. You have Brock Hoffman. There is leadership throughout the entire locker room. And then you got a guy like Terrell Smith who has seen it all and can, you know, be that locker room guy. That is just something that I'm excited about just to have these guys who are senior and who can, who can step up and get everyone focused. Um, So I I think that's key to overachieve this year. Uh, I also have to say, Billy touched on this earlier. Special teams needs to be ready to go. Everything needs to be tied up on special teams because that is a position of potential liability just based on unproven guys on the punt and kicking units. Um, you know, discipline, playing disciplined football. Uh, and a lot of that goes back to leadership as well. But, um, you know, between t- special teams, playing disciplined football, uh, not turning it over. Obviously, those are going to be some keys between you know a seven and five mediocre year and a nine and three overachieving year. Um, and then one more thing I wanted to say for overachieving: the linebacker uh, gap integrity. You know, how many times over the past couple of years have we just absolutely freaked out and pulled our hairs out because of big plays uh, from? from an opposing quarterback or big plays from any playmaker Louisville last year. Think of Louisville. Think of Carolina last year. Um, If the linebacker play is gap sound, if the linebackers are are stepping up, they will make a huge difference in limiting those big plays, making tackles tackles for for loss. And Bill, you would always say this, but um, you know, making it second and nine versus, you know, second and four. So Let's not have Chamari Connor make 80 plus tackles this year. That's huge for overachieving. Couldn't agree more. Um, the bust checklist. What is the nightmare scenario for Virginia Tech? We've talked about it a million times. Injury to Braxton Burmeister. Does anybody have anything else or something new on the Braxton Burmeister topic that could lead to a disaster for Virginia Tech this season? Real quick, 
his last two games, he was 25 of 34 for 339 yards and a touchdown. The Clemson game in particular, you know, he was 10 of 12 before he got hurt. The UVA game, 15 of 22. Rushing the football, I only want to take a look at the Virginia stats because I know he got hurt against Clemson. He had seven carries for 36 yards. That's all we need. Five to seven carries a game with Burmeister. Don't go beyond that because then you're going to get hurt and we're going to run into the issues we've already been talking about. Utilize all these running backs that we have. We've got a million of them. One of them's going to be, one of them's going to hit. They're all talented players. Use the running backs. Please don't run Braxton Burmeister into the ground. That's What's it. What's that? Stamp it. There you go. Stamp it. That is our bust scenario being played out. So here we go. Bringing us down the line. Here's some fun subjects. Won't be as long. Over or under is seven games. Over or under is the call. I'm going with over. Obviously, I'm sure you guys could have guessed that. Grayson, over or under seven wins? Can I say seven wins? You want to say push? Seven exactly? Uh, then let's I make think- it e- let's make it easier. Seven and a half. Over or under. I'm still over. So I'm pushing seven, and I think the seventh win comes from a bowl game. So you think we win six regular season games, squeak into a bowl game? Mm, seven regular season. Okay. Seven Pat. regular season. Uh, eight regular season wins. So Eight and four two. regular season. That's where I'm at. Eight and four. Okay. So now we're going to do our confidence meter. Boing, 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 boing. Confidence meter per game. This is going to be quick. Scale of one to ten, how confident are we in each game on the schedule? We start with North Carolina. It's on September 3rd. It's on Friday. It's a nationally televised game. It is the orange effect. Get your shirt now. Do not show up wearing orange. I will make fun of you. Uh, North North effect. The North Carolina game on September 3rd. Where is our confidence? I'm going to go with a seven and a half. Just like the win total. Six. Six. Three. Three from Grayson, Three. Mike McDaniel. What's your where's your confidence level on North Carolina? I'm I'm gonna go with it's it's a six or a seven for me if if only because Justin Fuente is damn good in season openers. He's four and one as Virginia Tech's head coach in season openers. Um, I believe he's only lost two season openers dating back to his days in Memphis. Don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's had some success in season openers, big time games at Virginia Tech. This is the first one we get at home, which, you know, you could take the flip side of that and say, you know what? Fuente has not had the best home record at Virginia Tech, and that would be fair, too. But um, it's North Carolina is replacing a lot, and I get they have a ton of skill talent at receiver and running back, and they're going to be a really, really good team. They're going to be real good in October and November, um, but it's hard to be an offensive skill position player going on the road for your first college game. And Sam Howell's got to break in all that talent against Virginia Tech's defense, which is returning a ton of veterans. And I think if you're a Tech fan, you like to have this matchup in the opener, especially after a pandemic. Come on. And Sam I mean, Howell did not play our ones last year. You know, Tyler, Math- Tyler Matheny no. started that game, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Diablo was out uh, with COVID, and a handful all, of other players also missed that game. All I'm saying, and, and look, North Carolina is – is a better team, right? And them being a touchdown favorite is, is fair and it's right on the money. But it is tough to go to lane in an opener, breaking in a bunch of freshman skill position players. This is the perfect time to get North Carolina. 
I'm fired up. We're going to argue a whole lot more, Grace and Pat. And uh, Mike, if you're free, we'd love to have you for the preseason, uh, the UNC preview. Um, whenever, whenever you need me. We will be arguing about that a whole lot more. Excited about that. So, White Effect versus Middle Tennessee. I will say, if you want to have some fun, go look at Middle Tennessee's 24-7 transfer portal. They brought in talent from everywhere. Um, Middle Tennessee has uh, BCS Power 5 talent. Uh, they're transferring. But we're going to beat Middle Tennessee, but I'm going to label it as a 9 because I'm not going to label it a 10. Uh, Pat, what is your uh, – what, what do you got? The 9. We don't need to talk in nine. depth Middle Tennessee. Nine, yeah. I was just waiting for – I was waiting for Grayson to give us like a 7.5. Okay, moving right along. <laughs> we're on to West Virginia. Wait, 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 wait. We're wait. Let down wait. look ahead. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a minute. Mine's going to be like a 9 or a 10 because the first ever article I wrote for you guys – the title was Army 42, Middle Tennessee, nothing. It would have been nice to play the Blue Raiders. This was written <laughs> last time. So. so high confidence versus Middle Tennessee at West Virginia. I'm not blown away by West Virginia. I'm going to go with an eight. I'm more confident we'll beat West Virginia than I am we'll beat North Carolina. This one might shock you. I'm giving West Virginia a seven. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I just feel good about that game. I don't know. Couldn't tell you why. Here's my here's my take. West Virginia in all caps stinks. Eight <laughs> confidence rating. We're gonna hedge and go with a seven. I think. Okay. West Virginia is not very good. I mean, I they're at very much the same spot Virginia Tech is in, except West Virginia's in the middle of a rebuild. Virginia Tech should not be where they're at. So a little different. That's true. Uh, Richmond nine. Hammer it nine nine. Nine, nine. Um, okay. Ten. No- ten. <laughs> yeah. Notre nine. Dame. Notre Dame going through a position change at the quarterback position for the first time in a long time. I'm at like a five. I'm at like a four and a half. Four and a half. I'd love to three. be proven wrong. Three? Three. Yeah, yeah three. Uh, this is the, in my opinion, this is the, this is the toughest game on the schedule, just considering like when you're getting Notre Dame. Like North mm-hmm. Carolina has a good chance to be better than Notre Dame. Miami could be better than Notre Dame. Notre Dame's lost a lot, specifically quarterback, and like the guys are losing on defense. But you're getting them in in early October, mm-hmm. and they're going to have a lot of the kinks worked out from September. It's a tough time to get them, and they got skill position talent everywhere. They're a more mature North Carolina in regard to the depth they have. So, mm-hmm. like a three. I'm going to put the. I'm going to put this game at a five and a half and I'm going to tell you why Notre Dame has a gauntlet of a schedule from mid September to mid October. Uh, They go to Wisconsin. No, sorry. This game's in Chicago. They play Wisconsin at soldier soldier field on September 25th. Then they have to play Cincinnati on October 2nd, Virginia tech traveling to the hostile environment lane stadium, October 9th. Is their uh, is their third game of that three game off stretch. of a bye too? I did forget Virginia Tech will be coming off of a bye week before that game. Virginia Tech will be coming off of a bye week, and then uh, Notre Dame gets a bye the following week, but then has Southern Cal and Carolina back to back after they come to Blacksburg. So Notre Dame is not circling this game like we are circling them. So I'll, I'll put them at a five and a half confidence rating. I would also say last thing that I'll say on this subject. Uh, North Carolina coming to uh, Lane Stadium. I mean, 
we're not we're not intimidated by North Carolina. I'm not saying we're intimidated by Notre Dame, but Notre Dame coming to Lane Stadium is much different than North Carolina coming to Lane Stadium. We have owned North Carolina uh, for most of the last five to six years. This is the stretch of this schedule that I absolutely abhor. I don't think I should abhor it, but you can take this to the bank. We will lose one of these four next football games. I don't know which one it's going to be, but I, I'm relatively confident one of these will be a loss. Pittsburgh, I'm at a seven. I hate Pat Narduzzi. I do not anticipate losing to him again. I think that we beat Pittsburgh at home in a close game. So I'm going to go with like a seven and a half to I'll go with seven and a half. It's going to, it's going to be good, but they have trouble. Narduzzi specifically has trouble with Fuente and Blacksburg. So I'm going to put it like a, like a six or a seven. I, I think tech could absolutely lose this game, but I'm saying, coming, so. I, I'm, I'm saying five because it's at home. If it were a pit, I'd say zero. Can't uh, win a pit. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Pittsburgh has not scored a point in Lane Stadium since 2017. I'm putting this game at a seven confidence rating. It's going to be homecoming. Everyone's going to be coming back into town since uh, you know 2019, the last time they've been to Virginia Tech for a homecoming game. Uh, so bank that one at a seven. Who's next, Bill? Syracuse. This has WTF potential written all <laughs> over it. I'm Syracuse sucks. Like Syracuse is a horrible football team this year. I'm going to say I have an eight and a half confidence rating that we're going to meet this, beat this team. It's probably very similar to the situation that they were in in 2016. They suck. We should beat them at home period. But I'm at an eight and a half for Syracuse, but I wouldn't be surprised if we lost. I'm going to put this game at an eight and a half, nine range. They don't have Eric Dungy, the human torpedo, this year, Bill. Okay, and they don't get to you know play this game in the Carrier Dome where it's like a safe safe haven for them. Mm-hmm. So they got touchdown Tommy DeVito. Is he touchdown Tommy? Yes, he is. He's a Bosco kid. Uh, no, that's that's a win. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm gonna give. I'll give Here Q's, we go. I'll, I'll give Q's a six. I just. It's it's Pittsburgh. Those are the two big ones. It's Pittsburgh and Syracuse on the schedule that I'm like, okay, which one is it? Which one's it going to be? Yeah. Which one is it going to be? When do we lose? Because it's going to it's going to be one of them. Mikey Max. If Tech loses to Syracuse, Fuente might get fired after the game. I want him on the next bus out of town. If we Syracuse, Syracuse. <laughs> Syracuse and Duke are two of the worst football teams in the Power Five, and they're both in the ACC, and they're both on this football schedule. If Fuente loses to either one of those, or West Virginia, or UVA, like in secession, like if he loses like even two out of those four games, he might be on the next bus out. Can't lose to Syracuse. Uh, Georgia Tech. I don't think they're there yet. I think I they're going to be good. They have an awesome running back. I will just say they have a really good running good. back. Yep. Um, I'm at, I'm still at an, I'm, I'm at like a, if I was an eight and a half for Syracuse, then I'm like a seven and a half, eight for this game. Grayson. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give this one a six and a half. It's because it is in Atlanta. Uh, who gives a shit? We're going to have, it, who cares? It, 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 it is in Atlanta and I, I, I don't know, but the, 
because it's later in the season, I'll be curious to see how healthy our defensive line is. And uh-huh. if our defensive line is fully healthy, then I'll feel a lot better. Well, about they don't want the triple offense anymore. So, but they got a good running back. <laughs> they got to get. They got a good running back. So, I, I'll. I still think we win that game. That's a throwback for the OGs. You guys would have got that, Pat. Uh, seven confidence rating. We thumped them back in 2019 yeah. on November 16th. That what was a awesome. time. What a time that was. We're gonna do it again. Could have used uh, playing them last year. Really seven. seven, seven. My my, <laughs> but my podcast co-host for my ACC podcast, uh, Joey Weaver, is a Georgia Tech alum, and he's telling me that Georgia Tech. This is the year Georgia Tech gets the Hokies, like in this Jeff Collins era. What do you mean this is the year back. they've gotten they've us gotten every. Us. Year. What do you mean this is the year? This no, is not like no, no. Under <laughs> under Jeff Collins, like year three is the year they get him. I hope this is the year that we get them. <laughs> I, I think I think there's a decent chance. Uh, look. Year one under Jeff Collins was mm-hmm. the year we just freaking pasted them. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's potential for tech to run that back, our tech to run that back. Great. I don't think Georgia Tech's there yet. Can no. I just say I like that verb? We absolutely pasted them. I love that. That's oh, yeah. awesome. I'm all in on that. But yeah, I hope that we get them. So tell your friend. I don't know. I don't I don't know if he's watched the last strictly under years. strictly under Jeff Collins. Okay. Strictly under okay. Jeff Collins. Buzz this is a football. I'm just going to tell you, this is the one. I know this is going to be the one. This is going to be the, the, if I had to bet anything, if I had to bet Pat's new house on who's going to get us here at the back half of our schedule, it's going to be Boston College. I am a Jeff Hathley truther. Jeff Hathley truther. This game is going to be in Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts. There are going to be like 12 people at this game. It's going to be – I'm going to be one of them. It's going to be the worst stadium in the ACC. Alumni (laughs) Stadium is the worst stadium in the ACC. You heard it here first. Actually, actually, I've said it so many times. There actually won't be 12 people at this stadium because it is on a Friday night and it is the Red Bandana game. Mm -hmm. So it is the Red Bandana game in Boston. It's going to be cold. Um – Boston, gritty town, nothing but positive things to say about Boston. I think I, I straight up think we're going to lose this game. My confidence meter for Boston College on November 5th in Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts is like a four and a half. Yeah, five for me. Yeah. I think te- I also think Tech loses at Boston College. Short week, Friday night. Red Bandana game's a big deal up there. Jerkovic is running. back. That guy's massive. Big Phil. Jerkovic. Grayson, are you going to be the most confident out of everybody in this game? You, you know, I, Boston College is kind of just one of those games that you just never know. But maybe, maybe y'all are right. Maybe they are the one that that get us on the back half. I I think it'll be Pittsburgh. I really do. I I, I think it'll be them. I don't know, man. Red bandana game aside, I think we got a shot against Boston College. Pat, last time we played in uh, Chestnut Hill was our first time meeting. Uh, me and you, Hug, Dap, Ryan, Ryan Willis, a couple interceptions. Uh, a couple. A couple. More than a couple. Several. A few. A few. <laughs> I believe a couple a is two. A couple is two. A few is three. Trending uh, towards a baker's dozen. <laughs> um, two words, Zay Flowers. Yeah. Confidence rating, four. Yeah. Not, not great. Not looking forward to Boston College. I'd love to be there, though, November 5th. I'm going to try to be there. 
November 13th, Saturday versus Duke at home. I would hate this game a lot more if we were playing at Duke because you got one of those get off the bus and there are 10 people at the game uh, uh, possibilities. And I think Duke has the worst football field in the ACC. That this is, is at home. Opinion. I know. I'm saying if it was at Duke, I would be more worried oh, sorry. because there would be less eyeballs on the game. Confidence rating for us versus Duke. Eight and a half? Nine? Don't lose to Duke. The, what the hell? Seven and a half, eight. Uh, I just, man, who do they? Who do they have this year? I don't. I don't even know. I feel like Coach Cut- Cutliffe, dude. Cutliffe, I feel like is in his denouement. Chase I, uh, Bryce. You say that word a lot. I don't know what it means. <laughs> it, it means the end of his career. I, mm. I just, I, I just think it's. I don't know. His his days are numbered at Duke on his on on his own uh, time, but. I just I think we'll beat them with ease, especially at home. Anybody disagree? I think we can move to Miami. Um, Wait, well, hang, one, on, hang on, hang on. One thing. One thing. Go ahead, okay. Mike. One Duke. thing. Duke's got Mateo Durant, so if the linebackers don't play well, he has the potential of just absolutely roasting the Hokies in the running game. That's the only thing I'll say. I, with that being said, it's like a seven or an eight, and this will be the coach and waiting game if Fuente mm-hmm. loses to them again. This is uh, this is an eight. This is the last game Amari Barno plays in Lane Stadium because he's going to be a day one pick next year. So I know wow. it's going to be senior day, but that, that's a that's a take. Losing to Duke on senior day is a fireable <laughs> offense. Yes, it Horrible is. Horrible football program. <laughs> among among other things, that is a fireable offense. <laughs> Bad team. Can I, can I say something? Miami. Sure. In Miami. Thank you. In Miami Gardens. We talked about how UNC, it's the perfect time to catch UNC, is at the beginning of the season. I think the perfect time to play Miami is at the end of the season. Ask Pittsburgh. Because Miami loves operating at the flavor of the month. Oh, man, did we drop a game a couple weeks ago? We're not going to the playoff. We're not going to the ACC championship. I don't care. You're going to see some opt-outs. You're going to see stuff falling apart. It's the Miami way. They fall apart at the seams. I know they have a great quarterback in De'Ara King. He's coming back from an ACL injury, and he's been talking a lot of a lot of talk uh, to the University of Alabama, which usually doesn't go very well. Gonna for go people poorly. doing that, it's that just, never goes well. That's where, gonna go well. That where Derek was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I honestly, Pat, I love. I, it's my favorite thing that you've come up with this year. I think we can get two out of the four. Out of the Miami, out of the Virginia, Notre Dame, North Carolina. My confidence rating for Miami is at about a seven and a half and trending upwards. I love where we have them. Um, I'm going to go with a seven and a half or an eight. Grayson, Miami. You know, it might shock you, but out of the out of the four big games, you know, the UNC, West Virginia, Notre Dame, Miami, the two that I'm the most confident about are West Virginia and Miami. I think at the end of the season, you know, Bill, you made a really, really great point. I just think Diaz isn't going to have those guys as a cohesive unit towards the end. They'll they'll lose some game they shouldn't have, and they'll fall asleep and roll over. My confidence for for Miami is actually actually a seven. We should have beat them. Uh, we should have. We should. I just say Nate Diaz or not Nate Diaz, Coach Diaz. Uh, <laughs> Nate Diaz, Coach Diaz. You're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy. You're not. You're not that I don't know guy. if anybody's that guy for that program. Pat, Miami. Major coast, coastal 
implications here. You know, you got three big coastal games, Carolina versus Miami, Miami versus Virginia Tech and Virginia Tech versus Carolina. This is in that big three. November 20th. Let's throw it back. Let's take a trip down memory lane, hokey history. November 20th, 2010, we go down to Miami Gardens and we have a great game. Brian Williams has a couple touchdowns. Tyrod plays great. And we we beat the doors off of Miami in their funky orange uniforms. I like I like us down here too. Um, my confidence rating is a six, and it could send us into Charlottesville the following week on some good momentum. But I, I like your uh, I like your Derek King takes Billy because I don't know how healthy he's going to stay. Uh, you know that's week eleven, and uh, who knows if he's going to be able to hold up. Mikey Max, I'm at like a I'm at like a three or a four, and oh, don't I think positive party. I think my I think Miami's winning the coastal. So that's, Miami's back. I uh, again. I told myself not to do this, but <laughs> I, they got a lot of talent. I mean, they always do. I get that, but if not now, then when? And we talk about storylines across the ACC. A lot of teams got a. It, it's a big year for a lot of teams in the conference. Manny Diaz, like. Put up or shut up time, man. You got a fifth-year quarterback who I think will be healthy. I don't know if he'll be healthy enough to beat Alabama. I think that's him kind of spouting off like an idiot. It's not the best idea. I think they're going to lose that game by about three touchdowns. But I think they can run through their ACC schedule and make it to a conference title game and get waxed by Clemson. That will be their opportunity to lose again. But I think they'll be good. King really shouldn't talk that smack to Bama. Do y'all remember what they did to DeAndre Francois? They broke that man. They did break that man. They did. It did indeed yeah. happen. He was they never had, the same. I'll broke. say they do have a bit of a, uh, a difficult schedule. They do play Florida State right before they play us. They play Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh. Uh, at a conference, they play, they play three tough at-a-conference games in a row to start their season. They play Alabama in Georgia. Then they play App State who might be the best team in Carolina in the last five or six years. And then they play Michigan state at home. Uh, So a bit of a tough start uh, for the Miami hurricanes, but then last but not least uh, the university of Virginia in Charlottesville, I will be there. I think unless I'm still in San Diego, which I shouldn't be after the 15th Uh, confidence rating 10, we're going to win again. We're better than they are. We just are Uh, Grayson. Uh, because it's the law who's 10, uh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) because it's the Wahoos. I mean, we, we we got our cup back. (laughs) You you think that cup's going to shake the hell out of here? I mean, like Don V says, goofy, my, my cup's staying in Blacksburg. I will not entertain giving it back to them. Yeah. Uh, Brennan Armstrong didn't look very good last year. In Blacksburg. Another um, guy who was not that guy is Brennan Armstrong. No, Cup staying in Blacksburg. It's like an eight or a nine. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Pat. Eight or a nine. Can we do win or loss predictions? Knock on wood. And you guys are going to be mad at me. You're win or loss. 10 wins. I think we're going to win 10. You're out of your mind. I'm going, I'm you going out of your mind. I think we'll win 10. Even if it's nine regular season games. We're winning 10. I'll just walk I'll just walk you through how I think we're going to get there. Uh, actually, no, I won't. Uh, we can Grace, save that for another yeah. podcast. Okay, yeah. Bill, I, Bill, I will make you a deal right now. Everyone listening to this right now, we win 10 games in 2021. 
virtual handshake, I will pay you a hundred dollars. We we do it a hundred bucks. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go. I, I, I think normally hey, man. I'd go with nine, but I'm fired up about this team. I'm, I'm just going to go with 10. Everyone can make fun of me. It's cool. I'm going, I'm going with 10 wins. Can we do our awards? Are you not going to do your win total? I mean, me and Mike already said eight and four, like an hour. Well, ago. wait, 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 seven and five. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we already se- that. Seven or seven or eight, I think is where it's at. And I think the only way the tech doesn't win a bowl game, it doesn't <laughs> win a bowl game. They could lose a bowl game. We um, haven't won one yet. Make it to a bowl game. Yeah. Is if there are injuries, right? Like quarterback, right. defensive line, this, this team, I think my, my point being, this team has a defined floor in my opinion of six wins. Like, I think that's the floor unless there's injuries everywhere. I have a hard time seeing this team win less than six now in normal circumstances, not COVID. I think there's too much talent on both sides of the ball. Unless there's some weirdness with guys getting hurt, I, I think this is a six-win floor. It could be anywhere from, from six to nine wins. I'm going eight and four because I'm going to be a little bit optimistic, but that Vegas win total of, of seven and a half seems about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing. Like we have four gimme games Middle Tennessee State, Richmond, and Syracuse and Duke both should be gimmies. They're both at home as well. So we split the other eight, and that puts us at eight, at eight and four. That's what I'm thinking. Preseason awards. Here we go. We're going to go with defensive MVP first. Grayson. Yeah, no brainer. Amari Barno, 6'6, 245 pounds, already on the Reese's uh, Senior Bowl watch list. In 2020, Amari had the following statistics, 43 tackles, 28 of them solo, six and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery. Don V predicted Amari Barno will lead the ACC in sacks this season, and I don't think that that's that far-fetched. Yeah, easy choice. Mike McDaniel. Yeah, I I think it's Barno, the one other guy, though, um, that I'm going to pick just to be contrarian. It's Alan Tisdale. I'm high on Tisdale. He put on weight. He's shown the athleticism to be a top-tier linebacker, not only on Tech's roster, but in the ACC. I think he gets there. Um, I think he surprises people. I think he's got the highest upside outside of Barno, the highest upside of anybody on the defense. Pat Finn. So I'm going to take us to the uh, the defensive backs room. We were so thin last year. Think about last summer. Jeremy Webb transfers out because he sees so much depth, right, at the time. Jeremy Webb transfers out. Devin Hunter gets suspended. Caleb Farley opts out. Jermaine Waller spends the entire year hurt. And then COVID happens. You know, you got Tyler Matheny playing. You got Divine Diablo out. Uh, you know, you're, you're counting on Brian, uh, Breon Murray and Devin Taylor and Dorian Strong and uh, guys to, to step up here. But Jamari Connor is the guy in that room. And I have so much faith that he is going to be the ones that the newcomers all look to for guidance. Um, he's emerged as a leader in the offseason. He went to ACC kickoff. Jay Ham has pointed out countless times how Shamari Connor is just completely dedicated to his craft, you know, before, after practice, just working and working and working. Also got some scoops from Dr. John Cranham, who was at practice on Friday, that Shamari uh, is just such a leader on the defense um, just by visually seeing everyone being drawn into him. Um, he's also probably the best hitter on the team at this point. So I have uh, Jamari Connor here. I do not want him to lead the team in tackles this year, but I do see him as the most valuable player on this defense. 
Offensive MVP, Mike, kick us off. Going to have to be Burmeister if the team wants to be any good. Completely agree with you. He certainly is the most valuable player in terms of needing to stay healthy. In terms of production, I'm going to go with James Mitchell. I think James Mitchell is going to be a first or second round pick in the NFL draft. I think he's going to be featured a ton. We're going to have to find ways to get him the football. Grayson. Stamp it a second time. I'm with you, Bill. Jimmy Mitchell. Patrick Finn. I think uh, if if we want to have a special year, it's Burmeister. Totally agree with Mike. Special teams MVP. Mike, I think you have the answer for all of us, and it is well-researched. Go ahead and give us your special teams MVP. Yeah, Tavion Robinson. Um, 2019, when he showed up on the scene, obviously jumped into that punt return role and proved to be an electric player in the open field. The muffing punts thing in 2020 was a huge issue, and he can't be doing that again this year, but... I feel like he's a big-time bounce-back candidate for the offense and a guy that I think is going to produce not only as a return man but a receiver as well. And I think he makes things happen at punt return, and Tech needs him to be good. So I'm going to go with Tavion. And if it's not Tavion, we got to be done with the James Mitchell experiment at tight end. We <laughs> talked about that earlier. But um, we, at not tight end, as a, as a punt returner at tight end. <laughs> like We can't be doing that. I'm going to go ahead and kick it off for outstanding freshmen. Look, Daywan Lofton is the obvious pick. It's who we're all rooting for. We are excited for Daywan, uh, but I'm going to go with Parker Clements. He's six foot, seven inches, 292 pounds. He was running with the twos in practice. That right tackle position is going to be a battle all year long. Uh, I think whether he wins the gig or not, I expect him to be utilized this season. Uh, he's a large human being. Uh, has great film. And remember, youngsters thrown on the field in yesteryear. We had guys like Eric Gallo, John McLaughlin, who started against the University of Alabama, and Christian Darasaw, who, like we said earlier, was one of nine true freshmen to start on the offensive line as a true freshman. So keep an eye out for Parker Clements. Who do you have, Pat Finn? I'm going to dial up a surprise here. I know uh, Daywan Lofton and Jalen Jones are the uh, the sexy picks. Everyone's been hearing about them, but let's talk about Christian Moss in the wide receiver room. I think we might have to dial up Al Jones, our graphics guy, for some for some Moss memes uh, because I think maybe he could uh, he can show us something here in Lane Stadium this fall. There are three stud freshmen in the wide receiver room, not just two. Uh, so shout out to Christian Moss. I would love to see a surprise. Uh, out of him shout out coach lect for finding christian moss shout out mike mcdaniel lofton um but if not jalen jones i mean those are two guys who have been there since spring and coaching staff can't stop talking about them so it's gotta be one of those two guys grayson has to depart but grayson before you depart give us your outstanding freshman pick uh, you know, because he's from California, DJ Harvey, I'm just excited to see, <laughs> I, I'm just excited to see that kid play. Uh, so, you know, he's, I've seen this tape. I think a lot of people have seen this tape from his days at Sierra Canyon. Uh, and if it's not this year down the line, uh, he's going to be a problem. So Mike, Pat, and I will wrap this up here. Grayson. Happy trails. Drive safely, my friend. We're going to take this on here home. Our last couple segments here is the Newcomer Award. Newcomer, Mike McDaniel. What are you thinking? Jaden Payute. And it's hard to classify him as a newcomer because he's now been with the program for three years, but we haven't seen him on the field yet. Um, If he's healthy, I talked about the Diablo comp, right? If he's healthy, 
I expect him to contribute and expect him to be potentially uh, the top wide receiver on Tech's offense. So it's got to be Payute, but a lot of that is determinant on health, which is an issue for the entire roster. Pat Finn. Okay, word of the season. Sum this season up into one word for success, failure, or whatever the hell it's going to be. Grayson, what is your word? I said in my little, you know, pep talk earlier, consistency is the word of the season. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Come out and play with the same level of intensity every single game. I don't care if it's UNC on September 3rd or Middle Tennessee State a week later. Play angry. Play like you give a damn. Play to win and not to lose every single Saturday. My word, my word of the season actually doesn't necessarily uh, have implications specifically with the football team. It's with the Virginia Tech fan base. The word of the season is fun. We are back. <laughs> November 23rd, 2019 was the last time that we were all together in Lane Stadium. It will be a full 650 days between that date and September 3rd. If you call yourself a fan, buy your tickets, reserve your hotels, get your Airbnbs, and get your, as Grayson would say, a dollar-dollar sign to Blacksburg. We have a really fun home schedule. We got six home games before Halloween. It's going to be fun. It's going to be beautiful in Blacksburg, and we need you all to be there. We're going to have fun. We're going to win the tailgate. Obviously, wins and losses drive morale, but the times and memories that we will spend before, during, and after these games is a huge part of why we all love this sport so much. It's just like what Coach Ham had said. Show up, be loud, get invested, support our guys for 2021. Let's have some fun. I loved that. Can we please retire, win the tailgate? I don't, I, I think that's like a, I think that's like a, we're a hard, like that sentence sounds like a, we, su- that's like a UVA thing. Like we, so no, UVA win. doesn't win the tailgate. Can we not say that? Can we just retire that? I don't think that's a, I, I loved everything you said minus the let's win the tailgate. Bill, I win the tailgate and you should win the tailgate too. I know you're only coming to like two games, but some of us who are making the trip up every week have to have some fun even if we don't win the game. Okay. Well, I want to win the games too. Um, <laughs> word, my word of the season is simple. It's health. Stay healthy. Pat, we talked about it on the last podcast. Hey, be well. Stay safe. Stay healthy. If you see a football player on campus, avoid him. Wrap him in bubble wrap. Don't dap him up air fives. Avoid. You said avoid him, but then you said, but wrap him in bubble wrap. <laughs> right. Just don't. <laughs> If, if if for some reason player X heads down to because he's just aloof and heads to uh, the the whatever center uh, McComas and wants to play pickup, be like, no, we need you on Saturday. Don't play pickup with the football football players. Football players, don't play pickup basketball. Stay healthy, stay well, stay out of trouble, and let's win some football games because our ones are really really damn good. So I think that's what we need to do. Mike, what's your word of the year? Surprise. It's either we're going to surprise people with how much better we are than people expect or folks in the national media are going to be surprised at just how bad this thing bottomed out. Hopefully it's not the latter. Hot takes. Guys, does anybody have any hot takes? Yes. We got, okay. excited. 
these are just some hot takes that I threw together here. I'm not saying that they're going to happen. I'm saying let's hope they happen. One, Virginia Tech undefeated in Lane Stadium fall 2021. Uh, just a reminder, I believe we are, we've won like eight of the last nine in Lane Stadium, if I'm not mistaken. Might need to fact check me on that. Two, who is PFF going to absolutely adore this year from Virginia Tech? It's been Caleb Farley in the past. It's been Christian Darisaw in the past. Jermaine Waller is a guy that PFF likes. My call is Luke Tenuta. He's like six foot nine now. How are you going to get by Luke Tenuta? It's like the little brother. All these little guys on, on the defensive end are going to be like the little brother trying to get past the big brother. Little bro is going to end up uh, with his face in dirt. Luke Tenuta. Section five is going to be the loudest section in Lane Stadium. That is not even a hot take. That will be a fact. <laughs> uh, Marco Lee will lead the team in rushing touchdowns. James Mitchell, first team all ACC. And then this is just a tidbit that I was thinking about when we were talking about Knox Kadem earlier in the podcast. Knox Kadem has delivered, we could say delivered, he played against Trevor Lawrence last year. That's not necessarily an opportune time for him to get his name called, but Knox Kadem and Braxton actually had a better stat line. We talked about this uh, on the pod earlier this week than Trevor Lawrence. Knox Kadem also beat Justin Fields in high school. People forget. People forget Knox Kadem uh, beat Justin Fields. So maybe maybe we'll need to call on Knox Kadem in a big moment against Derek King or something, and he's going to deliver. That's just a, a fantasy hot take, but – had to bring in uh, our guy, Knox Kadem. When opportunity knocks, Kadem delivers. Delivers. Mike, hot takes. Take us home. Yeah, I got a few. So Virginia Tech's going to avoid the head-scratching loss, which... That would be great. Would be would be great. It would mean that Virginia Tech's going to be quite good, is what that would mean. Um, that means there won't be a 2016 Syracuse loss or Georgia Tech loss or a 2018 ODU, a 19 Duke, a 2020... Liberty game. We're going to try to avoid that. Um, I think Virginia Tech avoids the ugly head scratching loss where they're like a two touchdown favorite and somehow lose. Um, I think Braxton Burmeister will play all 12 games. And I think that's almost like an impossible take, but I think it happens. And I think he completes at least 65% of his passes, which is something he hasn't really come close to over the course of his career. I think he does that and accomplishes that, which would put him in Hendon Hooker territory. I think Hooker was in the, in the low to mid sixties, um, in completion percentage, I think Burmeister could surprise people and rival that. We are going to have the best defensive backfield in the ACC. We are going to have two first round draft picks in Amari Barno and James Mitchell. We are going to have our most productive offensive season since 2016. And Virginia tech is going to win double digit football games this fall. I cannot wait for this campaign. I have drank the Kool-Aid. I am back in. I am all the way in. Twitter, doubters, and negative Nancys, beware. I'm on your head until proven otherwise. Are we doing unanswerable questions? Sure. Run them by me. I just have one. We'll stick it in play in 2021. I say yes. Yes. I'd be shocked if it yes. did not. And that's not even like wishful thinking. I, I think for sure it plays. Uh, who's quarterback two? I'll go with Taj. Uh, I'm going to go with Knox Kadem. 
I okay. like Knox. When opportunity knocks, Tatum, Tatum delivers. delivers. Uh, <laughs> how many backs on this roster get carries? Like period? Like yes. even in how many? Uh, how many backs on this roster get meaningful carries? Five. Who are the five? Raheem Blackshear, Marco Lee, Keyshawn King, Jalen Holston. Kenji Christian. Let's see him. Could it be Chance Black? There's a chance. <laughs> All right, I think it's time for us to finish up. I'm going to go four. I'll go okay. with four. We're, gonna, we're not doing unanswerable. We'll just end it after uh, stick it in. Hold on. Um, okay, hoping stick it in plays this fall. I can't wait to get there. September 3rd. Is, do we have 100% attendance out of the three people here? I know Grayson's going. We have, I think we have 100% attendance. I do not think it's a sellout. Agree. That would be really disappointing um, if it is That's not. why I said, that's why I told everyone to buy tickets. Because, you yeah. know, I, I saw that there's some tickets available online. Don't like that. Don't like that at all. Will all of us be in Blacksburg for UNC? On September yes. 3rd? yes. 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 Okay. Cannot wait for it. Mike, this was fun. We need to do more of this. I know you are, you record more podcasts than anybody I know. Um, so, I mean, just hats off to you, my friend. This guy is uh, <laughs> a, a gentleman and a scholar. Um, so, yes, literally, hat, literally hats off. Um, so, shout out to you. We will do this again. Would love to have you for the UNC preview pod if you're free. Have me on whenever whenever you guys would like. I'm okay. a phone call and a text away. As phone you know. call and a text away. Or a um, tweet. Or a tweet. Or a tweet. Or a tweet. tweet might or be easiest. Tweet might be easiest. Just have to filter through some of the some of some of the mean folks out there on Twitter, but they're going to exist, and they may come out a little bit more as football season rolls around. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week, guys. Football season is right. Or- you can smell it. Oh football God. season is right around the corner. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys soon. To wander, tripping in the sand We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand But I saw you dance like you want to in my head And all that she said is Oh, I know just what you're thinking Please don't go to sleep singing Trash my friend's place, wake up the next day Take a hit